0: Welcome to The Axe Change, the official podcast of the Fred C. Manning School of Business at Acadia University, Wolfville, Nova Scotia. Acadia University is a member of the Maple League of Universities, an association of premier, primarily undergraduate universities that consistently rank for higher educational quality in Canada. The School of Business at Acadia University is named after Fred C. Manning, the first person in Canada to receive the honor of having a business school named after him. To learn more about Acadia University and the Business School, please visit AcadiaU.ca and business.acadiaU.ca. And now, on to the podcast.
1: Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome. Axe Change Podcast, the official podcast for the F.C. Manning School of Business Administration at Acadia University right here in Wolfville, Nova Scotia. Uh, my name is Bailey Darling and today I have the pleasure of speaking with Justin King, currently a third year here at Acadia University. Now I'm very excited for this episode of the podcast because Justin is actually a good friend of mine and he has some amazing insights on youth entrepreneurship, uh, taking advantages of of really life's opportunities, as well as a great knowledge of some of the organizations that we have here at Acadia. So without further ado, Justin, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me. So let's just dive right into it. Why don't we start with who you are, uh, where you're from, where you grew up, and then I wanna get into a little bit about why you chose Acadia.
2: Sure, so um, I grew up in Bedford, just outside of Halifax. Um, I actually, out of high school, went to college um, for industrial engineering technology. Uh, while I was there, decided three-quarters of the way through, it wasn't for me, and I really wanted to continue my education somewhere else. Uh, I ended up coming to Acadia, um, just, I was accepted here, had some friends here, and really wanted to, to continue learning, especially about business. That's what I was initially planning on going into out of high school, and then literally a week before the school year started, changed into the Industrial Engineering Program. Here I'm at Acadia, just like you said, going into my third, well, third and a half year here at Acadia. I think part of it was just... Again, I, I've been to the school a lot, I had a lot of friends that went here the f- while I was studying in college and really just knew the space before I even became a student here. So it was already just welcoming before I even actually came here. And what are you currently studying and I guess minoring in if you, if you have a
1: focus in anything?
2: Yeah, so when I came to Acadia, I actually was a double major uh, in economics and business. Uh, I did that for two years, did the majority of an economics degree and then decided I wanted to just do business. So I transferred out of that into the business school full, uh, full-time full as a entrepreneurship and innovation major. And now I'm looking at pivoting once more into being a general student, but doing an honors project possibly. Um, so that's like my new decision to make is how do I want to finish out my last part of my school year here um, to hopefully graduate December 2018 with that.
1: Perfect. All right. So you touched on it there. I know you... I know from talking to you personally that you are an entrepreneur or at least are, have a very strong in, uh, interest in that concept. So this can mean a lot of different things to different people. So I'd like to hear from you what being an entrepreneur
2: means to you personally. Um, I think being an entrepreneur doesn't necessarily mean you have to kind of own a business and be a big like, successful kind of business. But I just think it's being an entrepreneur means you need to have the ability to see opportunity and to take advantage of or to seize it essentially. So if you know there's somebody out there willing to, who wants something and then you're able to get it and accommodate and you do that, I would, in my mind, say you're an entrepreneur, whether it's only on a small scale of running, you know, a business out of your dorm room or out of your apartment, and just doing something, even mowing lawns. That was my first business endeavor, mowing lawns, just literally walking hundreds of yards, pushing a lawn mower and a whipor-snipper around town. That is, I started that when I was 12, and from there, I just knew that's something I wanted to do, was kind of pursue my own opportunities. Perfect. Yeah, you already touched on
1: one of my yeah. questions, which, which was going to be a little story of your first entrepreneurial venture. So was was that it?
2: Yeah. So mowing lawns, I have an older brother, and uh, he started mowing lawns before I did. And I kind of saw the uh, the income coming in when I was, you know, I said 12 years old. I was pretty jealous of it. So I decided, well, if he can take our parents' lawnmower and go mow lawns, why, why can't I? So then I ended up following that pursuit, and actually ended up managing a handful of properties. And I had more people trying to get me on, but of course, as a you know, 12 years old starting out, you don't really have all the time in the world. Because you got school and everything. But uh, I did that for five years. Actually, I did that for quite a while, and it was a really fun pursuit, but just not something I wanted to continue after kind of high school. Once I made some side money, that's fair. And is being an entrepreneur something that you do want to pursue in the future? Being your own boss and working for yourself. <laughs> I think there's two different ways of looking at it. Being your own boss is an interesting idea. But again, like if you work for the right organization or the right team, I don't have a problem with having to work for somebody as long as I have a shared vision with them. It's different where some people really don't have that shared vision with their boss, so they don't want that. But in my opinion, I have no problem being a boss or following somebody if I'm wor- working towards a common goal.
1: That's awesome. So, so now that we've gotten to know you, about you a little bit, I want to transition into... Your current position on campus, which is through Anactus. Um, so, for those of the, so for the listeners who don't know, why don't you tell us what Anactus is and your current position there?
2: Sure. So, Anactus is actually uh, a world. It's a global organization for student entrepreneurship, essentially. Um, not just business students, but any pursuit or discipline. We've got people in entrepreneurship and innovation. We've got people in biology that have been on the team. Nutrition, fi- like we've had math students, like any kind of background pursuit. But what happens is essentially a a team is formed on a campus. Uh, At at Anactus Acadia, we have about 20, 25 students who see opportunities to make social change in the community. So right now we have uh, one of our projects is teaching youth about entrepreneurship. That right there was an opportunity somebody saw and is taking to make the community a greater place. So that really is the goal of Anactus. Uh, It operates in 36 countries now with 72,000 student members around the world. So it's, it's, a, it's a big and growing organization, but the goal of it is to just do good in the community. So it, we also compete by how much good we can do, essentially. So every year, there's a regional, a national, and an international competition uh, where we actually, teams from different campuses in different countries, meet and actually present their work they've done in a competitive fashion. Um, so from my position on the team this year as president, Um, right now so I kind of have my hand in all the the different projects we're working on working on kind of the overall team development and kind of guiding it in the overall direction that everyone sees is where we want to go and then I just am the person that kind of keeps an eye on that to make sure we're actually making progress towards that goal.
1: Perfect so I actually have two questions going off that Uh, the first would be are you planning on doing this next year
2: and if not how does how, how did you come into this position actually? So, I am supposed to graduate December of 2018, so I'll continue with the team into that last semester here. Um, our year that we work on basically is a, it's a more of a May to May, so my term should end in the spring, but then the goal will be to either have somebody transitioning into the position come kind of April, March, where they can start seeing from learning from me to take over the reins, and then come back after the summer to actually continue working with whoever's taking it over, to make sure there's like a proper transition and, and nice succession of it, which is something that doesn't normally happen because most students graduate in May when their term ends. So we're like, I'm pretty lucky where I have that additional semester, but I'm also lucky where last year's president is also here again on campus. So I've got a little bit of extra help from her where normally you wouldn't get that extra little bit. You'd have to be a lot of Facebook messaging or something. For ours, it's I can actually go see her anytime I need pretty much. Um, so yeah, that's... the the downside but the good side is that I can come back next year and help but I'll have to have much lesser of a role because once I do graduate I don't want to leave the team high and dry in December to then have to scramble and figure it out for the second semester. Right because I know you guys currently have quite
1: a few projects so I'm sure it would be hard transitioning out of that Um, that being said I would love to hear about some of the projects that you guys are currently working on.
2: Sure so we right now have three projects on the go and then another two that are in the works so that aren't officially kind of on our roster yet. Um, one of them being teaching youth entrepreneurship uh, in the Annapolis Valley. So we've got a team that is re- recognized that entrepreneurship really isn't taught to youth. And it's not even really brought up too much even through university unless you take some entrepreneurship courses, and spe- you know, and specifically. Um, so the idea is to, the sooner you can bring entrepreneurship into someone's mind or their mindset, they can realize at a young age, like, hey, this is an opportunity I want to pursue. So really our goal is to work with youth anywhere from the age of seven, uh, we've worked with up to 18-year-olds, I believe, in the last two months here. Um, really, the goal is seven to 15-year-olds to really just show them the opportunities. So that way, they can kind of make decisions going forward in life. Like, hey, I might be 13, but I see this. Let's, you know, maybe start something. Or I know now, I now know that an act of Acadia can help me out with a project. I can come to them and basically get like business consulting kind of thing. And so that's one of the projects we've worked with about 150 youth uh, this semester alone. And then we've got another one that's, uh, we work as consultants for entrepreneurs on the autism spectrum in a project called Autism Works Entrepreneurship, which is actually, um, we franchised it essentially from St. Mary's, um, who actually were the founders of this project, and now it's franchised across Canada at other Enactus teams um, from coast to coast, actually. And then we've got another two projects, like I said, that are in the works, and one actually, the last project we're working on, is addressing food insecurity, Um, So that project this semester has been on a little bit of a a pause for now while we're figuring out the team and really getting it planned out for future growth. But the goal of that, again, is addressing food insecurity in the Annapolis Valley. And then if we can come up with a framework that works in other communities to really bring that to other areas to help share that newfound knowledge and help reduce food insecurity in other areas. Another two I won't talk about yet just because we're not too sure on the full plans of them and they're not my projects to talk about.
1: Fair enough. And then going back to your first project, which is Youth Entrepreneurship. I know that, for me, I've only recently become interested in the entrepreneurial concept. So one of the things I think that inhibited me from doing this at a young age was one, just exposure to the concept, which I didn't have, and then two, uh, I think a big part of it for young people is um, buying power and, and how much they have to start a business because when people think of an entrepreneur or or doing something like that you think of you have to have some funding start a business but how does an act help kind of overcome that as well as create exposure for youth entrepreneurs which you talked a little bit about
2: yeah so I mean it is difficult to kind of if you are at a young age to big like you said with buying power but realistically I don't I don't think you really need to have a ton of funding behind you even if your parents you know you see an opportunity and it's a small business and you ask your parents hey, I, need, I want $50 to $100 to try something, and that's a reasonable risk, I think. But if you're, again, younger and you say, hey, I want to take on this big challenge, it's going to cost hundreds of thousands of dollars, that I can see being a little more challenging for parents to want to get behind. Um, but I really think, so for us, we're fortunate enough that we have funding that we've received for this project, actually in specific, from 3M Canada, one of our, like, uh, Project Accelerator partners. So for our team, at least, working on entrepreneurship with youth, we have a bit of finances where we're able to actually invest into some of these ideas or into our team who can then work with these youth and show them about business planning, about marketing, kind of like how you're gonna how your model's gonna work, like really going through those lean canvas, like early stage steps to help these youth so that way they're not just blindly going into it. If they come to us with an idea, we're able to then show them, hey, this is what we would do or here's some ideas, suggestions. We don't ever make the decisions for them. The goal really is to just take the brain power of a team and bring it to this person who wouldn't necessarily have all these extra hands and minds on the project at once. And that's just, like, that's one of the benefits of being a part of this, this organization, really, is that you get this hive mentality of 20 or 30 people potentially working on one problem together as opposed to one person. So I think if you are a youth uh, in, the, in the Annapolis Valley area, definitely check out our, uh, our Facebook page, Anactus Acadia. Uh, and get in contact with us if you do have an opportunity or an idea.
1: Absolutely, that's that, <laughs> that's perfect. So, I, from talking to you, you told me a neat story about reselling crayons, and I think that our our listeners yeah. would benefit from that story because I personally found it really interesting. So, if you wouldn't mind just speaking to that a little bit.
2: Yeah. So the pilot project that this um, team used this semester was uh, I think it was an eight week kind of progressive course where students and youth from the Annapolis Valley would come in and work with us. And so the idea that we had was repurposing used crayons from, uh, from different restaurants locally. So we've partnered with Boston Pizza uh, in New Minas there to actually collect their used crayons after dinners that they give to, to youth there. Because normally they give you a red, a green, and a blue crayon. But when you're done, they throw them out. And these crayons are made out of a non-biodegradable paraffin wax. Which essentially means it won't break down inside of the ecosystem if it's just thrown out and so we've tried to work on diverting those from the waste and uh, from the landfill and so they've graciously started to collect them for us where we then pick them up we have to soak them peel them and then actually break them into these molds but with the youth we've actually worked with them to go over like because they are more likely to be using these crayons than we are as kind of the target market for Crayola or any of these like brands We've been working with them on ideas so instead of trying to tell kids here's a new crayon here's a new idea it's actually asking them how could we make these different or how could we make them better and so we actually have like star molds that have five different colored points which are five different crayon colors so you can kind of rotate your crayon they're also really accessible So standard crayons when they're in that kind of pencil form are very inaccessible to quite a few people who have any sort of um, hand-eye coordination difficulties or any kind of muscular challenges or hand. So ours really is, again, diverting waste, teaching entrepreneurship to youth, bringing something to make it more accessible to other people who might not be able to right now, and then learning from these youth who actually are really entrepreneurial before they even realize it. But then, again, it's once you start saying, hey, oh, that was, that was actually really entrepreneurial. I mean, the kid's like, well, no, that's, that's just how I am exactly like you don't have to have any you know specific lessons or anything like that when you realize it it clicks you'll understand that yeah you can be an entrepreneur no matter what your kind of your pursuit is in life or, or what you're studying or or any age really yeah and one of the reasons I asked you to share that and one of the
1: reasons I really like that story is because not only does it bridge the gap it, it was essentially a zero startup cost because you're getting the cranes donated so not only does it bridge the gap of of the financials from for young entrepreneurs but it also it lets them realize that I can do this regardless of my age and you know schooling level. I, yeah. It's exposing them to the concept of I can do this uh, right now and I can make a difference however small it is.
2: Yeah, the other thing too is kind of neat is there's actually a business uh, in the next community over in New Minus there, um, Mr. B is his entrepreneur's name, and he actually makes a very similar product called Crayons, which are crazy crayons, but for his Again, he has a donation system where they're able to collect them from all over Atlanta, Canada. Um, they're lucky enough to have a partner with a, tr- a trucking company or a transit company, which actually will do pickups and drop offs for them anywhere in like Eastern Canada, pretty much. So they're able to actually have people donate them and then get them to them. So for us, we have one donor, which is more than enough of a supply right now, but they have an even greater supply. But we recognize each other as competition at first and realize it's better to partner with each other so I actually was working on a business plan uh, over the summer and in, in the semester on this project. That was one of the identified risks or challenges was, hey, these guys are a potential not uh, a threat, but they're competition in the industry. And realized in the last few weeks, like, hey, these are actually really nice people. We went in and met with them. They actually gave us some different crayons to try out some new ideas. And we're actually hiring them to come in in the spring with Mr. B and his assistant to actually do a lesson with our youth who, because he has a lot of insight and a lot of other ideas. And it was just like, again, it was a natural kind of like, this just makes sense as a partnership, as opposed to competing to save crayons. You know, we're saving crayons, teaching entrepreneurship, and really just letting people be creative and fun. It was, well, why would we compete when we can all work together? So. I,
1: I think that concept is not readily seen by a lot of businesses, um, you know, but in Nova Scotia, especially, I was I was just at this conference where there was, I think it was Nova Scotia Spirits, and he said, we don't consider other Nova Scotia brands our competitors, we consider them our colleagues. And the people who we consider our competitors are, are the big guys, you know, the, the ones who are, who are global and international. Um, and for you guys, that would be something like Crayola. So I think yeah. that is kind of a concept that not a lot of people look at, but is really beneficial for a lot of businesses.
2: Yeah, I think you're right. Like, So I my previous summers, I've actually worked in the alcohol industry as well, working with breweries. And yeah, I've definitely recognized that working for local craft beer, that it's, again, you know, you see each other around town, and you're kind of like, ah, they're stealing one of our taps, but then you go, well, well, you know, we're getting one of their taps out of another bar, but it's like a friendly competition, but then, yeah, you're right. You see the big guys, and you're like, well, they own 12 of the 16 taps of this bar, and there's no way we can ever win those from them, because they're a lot bigger than we are, and can afford to be a lot cheaper than we are. Right, <laughs> joining hands to, to fight the big guys. Yeah. So... I
1: I like talking about Enactus um, and and you said you had about 25 to 30 students working there is that correct?
2: Yeah, so there's a pretty core team that are there day in and day out, kind of more of the executive side and then there's another again, these members that come regularly to our meetings that we operate uh, once a week uh, and then as needed as well if we need to be more frequently Um, but yeah, it's, it's a growing group on campus and this is one of our biggest and most financially structured and safe years that we actually have a lot to invest into some of our projects if there's any need for it but we're really like grassroots, very lean startups where it's if we don't need to spend it why spend it And we're trying to really manage it successfully because um, i know there's a lot of other teams across canada for an actus that have much bigger teams but also just kind of throw money and see what sticks well we're really trying to hope to not have that we're really just trying to see what what can work for the smallest price So that way, it's because that way it's also replicable to more people. If we're saying, oh, you need $10,000 to start, it very quickly takes out some opportunity for people. But we say, hey, like, again, you need donated crayons and some muffin tin molds in your kitchen. And you are if you already have an oven or you can go buy a microwave oven from, you know, uh, from Salvation Army or something makes the startup costs pretty considerably low for our kind of model. Yeah. yeah, right. So, well, firstly, congratulations on your
1: success this year because I know you've put in a lot of work personally. Um, and my next question is, would would you like to see the team grow anymore? And then going off of that, really, what is your vision this year for Enactus?
2: I mean, there's two ways of looking at it. There, there's growth in structured way, and then there's like rapid, uncontrollable growth where you end up having 100 people with all kind of sitting around not having anything to do. I would love to see the team grow, to uh, you know, to as many students as we can. But the goal really is, anytime there are new members or anybody that joins, is to really have a task for them or something that way they're bought in. They really feel invited. Because I know when I, you know, you go to a meeting and you're if you sit there and you're a new person, and everyone's doing something and you're not really invited in, it's not really the same. But the goal really is is over the Christmas break, especially we're trying to like brainstorm ways and have a new member shows up or a new prospective member. We can say, oh, hey, this is you know, a couple of opportunities we need help with. Let's empower this person to really feel invested right away. And that way they'll come back week and week after. Um, so the goal for this year really is to try to get uh, at the national stage or even the regional stages is onto that podium, essentially. So last year was our first year, I think since 2013, to get into the semifinals at nationals, which is a pretty big year for us because even us as a team, we're kind of... We did our first opening presentation, and we're all, that was a great job, guys. Um, let's get ready to watch the next teams, and everybody, you can relax because we're done. And a couple hours later, we went to the announcements for who made it to the next round, and we as a team were kind of, oh, we we made it to the next round? Um, this this is good, but now we need to scramble and continue practicing, and we need to go get more reports printed off and everything because we were in Vancouver, so not none of us really knew the area, so we had to find staples to print off reports and everything. In a, in a pretty rapid time frame, but it was it was a great year. And so the goal for this year really is to make it to kind of hopefully the top, the next round after that. So that was like the quarterfinals, the semifinals. That was the first cut. We'd like to make it to the second cut next year and really just have a positive growth. We're not looking to take over number one right away because some of the other teams in Canada have amazing projects that have been operating for much longer, which, again, I can see as competition, but I'm glad that they're in the same kind of group organization as us they're really making an impact but for us really it's especially on the regional level it's trying to get a first place in one of our different competitions to be a huge highlight for us because that hasn't happened in, in quite a few years so for the competition is it that you guys are presenting your current projects yeah so there's there's two sets of project presentations essentially so at regionals there's a different time frame and a different setup than there is at nationals and so For regionals, there's four different categories. There is youth empowerment, entrepreneurship, eco-living, and I really feel bad for not remembering the fourth one Hmm. on the top of my head. Um, But essentially what happens is you have a five minute time frame to present any of your project work that you've done that year on that topic. Uh, And with that, normally it's a team of anywhere from two to four presenters and somebody doing your tech for you. So when the presentation time starts, you actually have to bring in your own computer, your own projector, and your own speakers and set it up within three minutes and then begin. And during that time, the judges are reading your final reports for the year, really getting to understand what you've been working on. And then you have five minutes to showcase that verbally. And then they have two minutes to ask you questions. And so, again, we have three projects really on the works right now or in the go with these two more coming in. And so we're potentially going to have to talk about two or three different projects within five minutes and be able to answer questions on it. Doing that four times simultaneously in different rooms for the different competition groups. But then at nationals, that's where, every, so I should say regionals is Atlantic Canada, so all the teams from the Atlantic come here to Halifax and have the competition, but nationally, it's every team across Canada has to come to this event, at least somebody representing them, and compete. This year it'll be in Toronto, but that's a 17 minute presentation. Wow. with five-minute question period after. So it's quite daunting. And I was one of the four presenters for our team last year, and it was the most stressful presentation I've probably ever had uh, so far. But it was really interesting where, again, we had a team of four of us presenting all in syncrasy where we weren't looking at the projector for our key terms or words or anything, and it was all in order. It was an amazing kind of feat that we didn't even think we'd really be ready for it in time. Um, so that one is it's quite on the big stage because if you make it again to that last the next step like i said we made it to the first cut second cut you present in front of anywhere from a thousand to twenty five hundred people so it's a really big jump going from in front of a a room of maybe 20 or 30 people in your first round to potentially thousands uh in the final rounds but it's really a good experience to have
1: oh i i'm sure i'm sure it prepares you a lot for for your presentations later in life so For some of our listeners who might be interested in joining Enactus, first, what type of people do you think are suited well to join the organization? Um, Second, who are you looking for? And then based on that, how would someone maybe apply or join Enactus?
2: Um, Yeah, I think it's tricky because most people assume that this is a, a business school project, a business thing. It really is, is anybody that wants to do good in the community. Like I said, we've we've had nutrition students. We've had people that really, again, kind of at first are like, I'm not an entrepreneur. And they'll come to a meeting, maybe they have a friend on the team, and then they realize, oh, this is what being an entrepreneur is about, or this is me doing positive in the community. And that's really what we're looking for. We're, I'm not looking for any specific students of any programs. It's just somebody who wants to do a positive change in the community, who wants to have positive change um has the time really i think that's another thing to stress is it's it's good that you want to do positive in the community but if you maybe you're stretching yourself too far like try to try to organize yourself in a way you can make sure you're committed because that's one of the biggest downfalls is we we start off with all these members and everyone's excited and then people go well i've got school i've got work i've got this i think i'm going to volunteer last, and that really hurts the team pretty quick because when we start People start falling off the face of the earth, pretty much. Right. But really, it's, it's anybody that wants to, you know, come out. And sometimes we even have events that are one-off. So we do, like, a, a food drive in the spring called March Against Hunger uh, in, Mar- well, in March. Uh, and that's kind of a thing where it's an event where we need quite a few people. We need more than just our team to help out with. And so those are events where people can come and be, like, a one-time come out and help. And that's really necessary, too. So I don't think you need to commit 20 hours a week to the projects but really, it's as long as you come out to the, you know, the once-a-week meetings and invest some of your own time outside of that, really, is what we're looking for. Um, and if you're interested in joining, I guess I'd say come out uh, either to the LaunchBox space on the top floor of Patterson on Tuesday nights. Um, for after 5.30, we have a meeting for about an hour, 5.30 to 6.30. And then also you can reach out to us on social media. Um, we've got a pretty active social media that we use, and quite a few of us keep an eye on the inbox. So if you're ever interested, in, just send us a message, and we'll meet up with you, or we'll have somebody come to you and, and really talk about the projects, even outside of that meeting time. Just anytime that's convenient. Perfect. Yeah, that was my next question. Yeah. So how would people go
1: to connect or follow Anactus? So it's social media, and yeah. what what is your handle on, on most of those?
2: Yeah. So Anactus Acadia. Um, we'll get you to our Facebook. We've got uh, a little over a thousand followers on it, so it should come up in the top there. And then uh, our Instagram feed is actually connected with that, so those two of them are very similar feeds. And then we have a Twitter that just posts what we've posted on Facebook. We don't know how to get rid of it, so we have that. Fair but uh, but don't I wouldn't say reach out to us on Twitter if you're expecting a response.
1: Okay, that's that's good to know uh, for our listeners. And before we transition away from Anactus and back to you, I want to. Uh, you know, quickly touch on, because we have some time, uh, you, the, specifically your other two projects that you're working on besides the youth yeah. entrepreneurship.
2: Yeah, so with our Autism Works uh, entrepreneurship project, uh, in the last couple of months here, we've been working with an entrepreneur out of Canning uh, Community, maybe 15 kilometers away from here in Wolfville, um, and the owner's name is Lee, and it's called Lee's Shop. And so essentially what happened is his organization, they sell ethically sourced products from around mm-hmm. the world that have a story essentially they really are buying products that are supporting other people in different parts of the world or have an interesting story and so what this organization they've been around for at least a decade now i believe and, and recently they've been kind of realizing like hey we need to do something different we need to change it up and so our team and and their organization we were paired together through uh this third party of autism nova scotia um we have an, uh, a previous president and an alumni of acadia uh, for Anaxia as well, he actually works for this organization and is, has been the mediator, or the third party who put us in contact with this organization. And so for our Autism Works Entrepreneurship Project, we've basically been consulting them uh, for the first while. So we actually did a store renovation over the summer as well. So a part of our team, we actually came together, kind of did the floor plan, the current floor plan, a future state floor plan, assessed what kind of expenses it would be. We were able to actually do uh, new flooring was done a new paint job, new custom shelving was done, uh, all for about $350. Wow. Uh, a lot of, again, there's is donations and volunteerism that really made this happen for so little. Um, but the store got an entire facelift uh, in basically a weekend or to a week span. And the last step that we're working on right now essentially is getting a new sign made. So currently they have uh, a large wooden sign outside hanging off the building. They want that to be kind of uh, more updated and, and kind of more up to to 2017 and really share the story a little bit more. And so we've actually been working with Lee and his team to come up with a new design. We've been getting quotes from local organizations that actually are in the sign making business. We're not going to hand make these just because it is, uh, something that will hang on that. Hopefully it's at that store for years to come. We really want to make sure it's, it's the quality there. Um, so that's right now we're pretty much wrapping up that project uh, in the next little while, unless, Unless something else comes up that they need help with, then we'll find a way to continue working with them. Um, And then our other project, which I said is kind of at a standstill or it's it's at a bit of a lull right now, uh, was Nourish Your Neighbor. And so this project is for food insecurity in the Annapolis Valley. Um, And so that essentially is the concept of gleaning is what we were working through. And gleaning is where essentially you go into fields after they've been harvested and you collect the remaining produce that maybe was missed by the harvester. Um, and that really is because there's or- this organic material that is a perishable is left there and it's not economically feasible for the harvester to go back and collect on the farmer. But for us as volunteers, it is where we're able to go into these farms. And normally it's like it's a, you use like a 33, 33 and 33 percent division. Normally you'll get to take some, you'll give a third to the farmer and a third to like a normal, like a charity or something local, like a, pro- like a, a common cause. Have an impact on, and some farmers say, "You know what? You are that impact. Let's just give it all to you." Kind of. So, essentially, the goal is to teach again food lessons, food literacy, bringing food security to the Acadia community and, and the local area. Um, and so, with that, there's actually another project outside of Anactus that I'm a part of that's really, really addressing food insecurity on campus as well. But that one I won't speak on until in the spring, where it's we're having like a media release and everything coming out about that. But think right now we're trying to develop all that but really the goal of this project is again addressing food insecurity and right now it's that's where the team needs some help is we need some people to to get feet on the ground for that
1: that's that's terrific and i think one of the things i'm so fascinated by with Anactus is that when you think of a quote-unquote entrepreneurship club you think of will help you start your own business, you know, develop cash flow sheets and a business model and you'll be, you know, making money in no time. And the big focus is on profit and revenue. But yeah. I think f- just from my perspective, I'm not a part of an actist, but from what I see from the outside, it's really a vehicle for social change through entrepreneurship yeah. as that vehicle um, and, and community development. And you guys really help with that. So, I mean, I'd like to congratulate you on that. I think Thank you. it's a terrific uh, concept.
2: Yeah. Yeah. So. I'd say to that too. Yeah, it's it's difficult to explain what it is sometimes that we do, and then when somebody when you actually explain to them one of the projects, it makes a lot of sense. So, enactus, e n a c t u s, are three separate <clears throat> three separate words put together. Entrepreneurship, which is the in part of, and then action, a c t, and us is, is us. Mm-hmm. So, entrepreneurship, action, and us really are like the three terms that have been merged together to create the name. And again, like sometimes when you explain that, people might go, "Well, why do you use that?" And again, it's just that I, I honestly I didn't pick the name. It's what the nationally and internationally recognized organization uses. But it, once you understand those three parts, it makes a lot of sense because really that's what it is. We're about entrepreneurship. We're about action, and we're about working for us. Again, everybody really. So it does make sense. Yeah, that's that, that's <laughs> awesome, and I'm glad we we have a platform. On here that
1: people can learn about Anactus and and that we've put out a place for people to join. So anybody at Acadia and really any other university, um, feel free to reach out to Enactus because it,
2: as you said, it covers about 1,700 universities. Uh, in Canada alone, uh, I believe they're at 60, 60, 69 campuses with okay. 2,700 members. Okay. But then internationally, yeah, they're in 36 countries right now. So even if you're not in Canada, odds are. Your country probably has one.
0: You're listening to The Axe Change, the official podcast of the Fred C. Manning School of Business Administration, Acadia University, Wolfville, Nova Scotia. Podcast host, Bailey Darling, interviews BBA student Justin King, president of Enactus of Acadia University. Enactus is an international nonprofit organization dedicated to inspiring students to improve the world through entrepreneurial action.
1: Um, and now I want to transition away from an actus and, and back to you a little yeah. bit. So after getting to know you this past year, I know that you really take advantage of nearly all the opportunities that you're interested in that either Acadia or other universities or other conferences really have to offer. And I think a lot of people are sometimes timid to go after all those things. But to me, it doesn't seem like you are. So speak to me about that and taking advantage of all the opportunities that are around you.
2: Yeah, I would say for myself, I mean, from a young age, I've kind of been doing that again. And so I think the first time I ever did like a major conference, I would have been 17, I think. And that one was, I actually flew to Newfoundland and to Ottawa for two separate events with one organization that um, was again, it was about entrepreneurship about, it was more of a corporate business structure, but really about being in pursuit of of, of business and being a winner pretty much. And that one was an interesting opportunity. And I kind of realized from that age that that wasn't fully what I was interested in. So again, I've taken a lot of opportunities to different conferences, like you said, but a lot of times I'll come out of it and go, this was really for me, this is exactly what I needed, or you know what, this really wasn't about what I thought it was, or this isn't really the area that I'm interested in, but I'm still glad that I went. Um, I've been you know across Canada for different conferences in several provinces, and, and it really has opened my eyes to a lot of it. Um, but I would just say, you know, it's not only me who's taking advantage of these opportunities. There are other students on campus. But I think the big thing is realizing that there's different conferences around, you know, even just Atlantic Canada or Nova Scotia in specific. There's events all the time. You know, Dalhousie puts them on. St. Mary's has them. Acadia does regularly. Even Cape Breton University. Like, uh, the Mount, I believe, actually does as well. There's more nonprofit leadership from what I've seen. Uh, But still, it's out there. And again, the cost of it, normally you can get subsidized or or you can get somebody to cover you for it. Or there's actually, uh, KDS Student Union has a fund that you can actually apply to, which will help with conference travel and expenses if you get accepted or you're interested in pursuing an opportunity. So I, I definitely have taken advantage and leveraged a lot of these. But a lot of times they're not also publicized very well either. So there's a lot of digging. So I've done a lot of turning over every single opportunity, every rock, any... Any person I've heard reference to this, oh, this you know, this could be something to look into. I've looked into probably. Uh, again, I've been pretty fortunate on that. I was just in London, England, in September, and everything. My expenses were covered for that trip uh, for a seven-day conference where I learned a lot. But I was very lucky because financially I couldn't have afforded that without this assistance through different departments of the university. And I would just say, like, if you are interested or you see an opportunity, ask somebody in the university and there's normally funding or they'll point you in the right direction or even applying to like different outside organizations, I've gotten really lucky on that and I know a lot of other people who have
1: that's great, yeah, yeah I never be afraid to ask something I'm definitely still yeah. working on um, so my next question is a bit about who you admire as an entrepreneur um,
2: and, and look up to
1: as a person and an
2: entrepreneur really that's a tough one, right, yeah um, as soon as you start out of the sentence and said, "Who do you look up to for entrepreneurship?" I'd honestly say my parents. Hmm. Um, I don't know why I don't. I not like the Richard Branson or the Elon Musk. is like they're very interesting people, but I really just kind of see like my parents as the people that I admire the most because again, I know their story. I know that they grew up in small towns and they've kind of they've been fortunate enough as small business owners or as entrepreneurs really to make something out of it. And that's really what I would much rather do than to have a billion dollar business. I'd much rather. Be happy if mm-hmm. that makes sense like i don't really see the pursuit kind of that some entrepreneurs chase in life where it's like life just seems stressful all the time and they don't seem happy i'd really look up to my parents and how they seem to be happy with what they're doing
1: and a, and a big part of what i have observed from at least this this interview and just talking to you is that a big part of it is helping people and community development especially as i've seen through an actus so do you think that's true for you a a big part of the entrepreneurial spirit is about creating value and helping people
2: yeah i really think that's the area that i see myself pursuing in life if you know if i ever do become an entrepreneur if i'm working on somebody else's common goal like really it's having that positivity and doing something useful Um, i understand profits necessary like you need to make money. To continue doing good and and there's there's all the arguments you can make i understand but i just think that i would much rather make a little less money while doing good is much more of a something i'd rather pursue than just the bottom line i pursue it's called the triple bottom line so people planet uh, and profit so there's trying to do good for people trying to do good for the planet and also trying to make a profit is kind of the the business model that i really pursue as an individual and i think a lot of a lot of people are starting to look into that trend of social entrepreneurship. Uh, that's the term that we've been talking about pretty much is, is doing good uh, while doing business is social entrepreneurship. Perfect. And
1: this next thing, this is a suit that I have observed you are very strong in due to you're very extroverted and outspoken. So talk to me about the importance of networking and whether it's through LinkedIn or a personal connection that maybe you have met someone through one of your many conferences that you go to. So talk to me about the importance of that.
2: Yeah, I think... Networking is important, but I understand having a large network can potentially have a lot of benefit, but really, I think my network, I personally, the people that I really get engaged with, I like keeping in contact with, and that's one of the biggest challenges for a lot of people is, you know, you meet people from different parts of the country or different parts of the world, and they're kind of like, oh, I didn't think we'd actually keep in contact after, and it's like, well, no, like, you're somebody I want to do positive with or I want to be friends with, like, something, like, that would be mutually beneficial, so I don't think if having a network of a million people is always useful, I would much rather have a smaller network. Uh, if there are all people I can help and, and be a part of. But I think networking has gotten me this far and without a lot of the networking I've done, I wouldn't be where I am. But a lot of it too is just getting over that like that hump of realizing, you know what, like people wanna do they want to help you and they wanna be they wanna do good too that used to be my biggest thing when I was younger. I was never this extroverted, really, when I was growing up. I was much—I would say I was much more introverted. But I realized, you know what, like, worst case if I ask somebody for help is they're going to tell me no in my mind. And then best case, they're going to say, sure. Or they're going to say, hey, I can't, but I know somebody else. And it really is just a small risk that they're going to forget about a week later if they said no to you. They're not going to be like, oh, that justed kid came over and asked me for help. They're going to, like, oh, well, you know, that mind. They've slipped their mind already. And you got to realize, like, brush over things. If something goes wrong, like you can continue forward. Uh, you know, If you get burned once in a while, it's going to happen. But you also learn from that, I think, really is, is the big part of, of networking is, for the most part, people want to help. Right. And, and, and the beauty of that is not being afraid to ask.
1: Even if they say no, it's normally a no, but here's this person's contact information because I think they yeah. could benefit from you. So my next question I want to ask you about is going off of this networking thing and I like how you want to stay connected with, with most of your network. So from your network, have you had any mentors that you've stayed closely in contact with and, and what do you see as a value in having mentors?
2: Um, I would say specifically or really in the last year, like I said from joining Enactus, there's been a few people on campus that I've I've done a lot of work with. so. For actus, we have two faculty advisors, um, Tom Dalmazzi and Jesse Gillis, um, who was previously on the show. Um, and so them, I've spent a lot of time with. I worked for them over the summer at the Acadia Entrepreneurship Center, um, doing research on youth entrepreneurship for them. So I spent a lot of time with them, and I really learned a lot um, from the two of them, where they have very diverse backgrounds. But I'd also say, like, Professor Ryan McNeil at Acadia, too. In the last semester, I've done a lot of work with him. I've taken the two courses he offers right now, like that's really somebody who I've gone to quite a few times, whether it's personal pursuit or an actus, or just school in general, and been like, this is what I'm struggling with, and I'm looking for help on this, and, and he, and along with and Tom and Jesse, have, have been able to really help with a lot of it. Um, so those would definitely be the mentors in the last while I've really kept in with. Um, and then again, like I'd say, like my parents, like they've been you know entrepreneurial for all their life, pretty much. My, my dad grew up in a fishing village in Newfoundland, and my mom's from a farm town in New Brunswick. So they've you know lived all over the world for work. My dad was in the military and like, again, while being in the military, it's hard to be an entrepreneur, but they still found the ways of going about it. Theirs was Their way of working as entrepreneurs was doing home renovations and flipping houses on the side. And so that, again, they weren't full-time entrepreneurs. They had a steady, safe like income, but then they also took some risk. And that really is inspiring too, is to a lot of people, they think you need to go 100% all in on a business day one. You need to quit your job. You need to take all the risk, invest everything you have, which really isn't the safe way of doing it. That's, that's going for double or nothing. And I wouldn't say I would recommend that as a gambler. Uh, it's probably not your smart way of being an entrepreneur. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So you mentioned Ryan
1: McNeil, and he is actually one of the professors who helps me in my personal development uh, in this podcast. Yeah. He helps me a lot through that. Um, and the entrepreneurship and innovation major is relatively new at Acadia. Yeah. so. I'd like to hear your perspective on really how everything through that process is going for you because it is relatively new, but I've heard some very good things and I'm excited to take my first entrepreneurship elective next semester.
2: Yeah, I'd say it's, like you said, it's new, it's growing, they're offering uh, at least two more new classes, if not three next semester in the entrepreneurship um, area. Um, Again, a lot of these classes you don't have to be a business student, you don't have to be an entrepreneurship major, quite a few of them, you're able to ask for permission from the professor. Um, like Ryan McNeil or Michael Shepard are the two that teach entrepreneurship at Acadia. They're more than likely happy to have other students come in. I know some of my class of community development students, kinesiology, um, just not just business. And so I think that's, again, important to understand. There's not just business students in these, but um, I think it's good that it's growing. Um, it's good that people are getting exposed to it, and I just wish it happened sooner. I really just wish people were exposed to entrepreneurship even younger. Um, Some provincial governments actually are pushing to have entrepreneurship and at least financial literacy brought into schooling at a younger age, which is positive to see. And I'm just glad that at least Acadia is doing its part into bringing that mindset to students and making it available because I think every student would benefit from it. Whether it's someday becoming an entrepreneur and going, hey, that entrepreneurship class benefited me, or at least just knowing down the road in life that this this one little task, helping somebody or doing whatever, this could be entrepreneurial. that's really good to realize that, I guess. I think one of the benefits of the entrepreneurship and innovation
1: major is that it is by far the most real world experience you will get from a class. Um, And that is from stories I've heard, uh, personal observation. So tell me about, to date, your favorite entrepreneurship and
2: innovation class and what you learned from that and,
1: and really what the class was about.
2: Yeah, so concurrently this semester I was in entrepreneurship and innovation uh, which is a class that was a third year currently which is being changed I could do a second year to make it more available to students for next year. Um, and then as well I was in, I'm in social entrepreneurship uh, as a second course. Um, and for the two of them honestly I think they've both been really interesting courses and I think the social entrepreneurship class has been the most impactful for myself mm-hmm. and, and I think for the Acadia community going forward. Um, the team that I was a part of, we were addressing food insecurity uh, in the area. And so we did uh, kind of a pilot project to, get to understand a bit of the challenges uh, of students on campus. And with that, we've actually taken that research and that understanding. And we're now opening, I shouldn't say this, but we're opening the uh, at Acadia Food Bank next semester. So the word is out a little bit, but we're really doing like an official release of it in the next little while. Um, but we've got this, this team of people, there's four of us in a class had an idea about a food bank or a food room, and, and now it's come to fruition. And it's not just a one-semester project, which is kind of interesting, where a lot of them, a lot of people in this class start their project, but then in the semester, they've run out of steam. Ours is we've gotten more steam as the semester's been rounding down because we know over Christmas we can do a lot of work. We've secured t- over $10,000 already in funding. Like This is happening, and it's really interesting to see like a whole team of people. Um, the student union is involved as well. There's two members from their team. So it's really cool just to see a group of, of six people coming together and making an impact and then how much impact they can have just by trying and asking and looking. Again, we've we've gotten funding by asking and we've looked into opportunities and we've you know kind of pursued them. Some have worked out, some haven't. But I think that was a really cool class and I'm glad that I took it. Um, and I'm not sure how I'm going to go and find a better class than that social entrepreneurship class. I think that'll be highlighted here for me at Acadia probably
1: that's amazing yeah. well congratulations on that friend yeah. I think um, I think it suits you very well and and it'll impact a lot of people and be able to help uh, so many people with a big problem we face yeah. in the valley currently so I, I think that's a an amazing thing to pursue
2: yeah oh, I was just going add to that food insecurity on Acadia campus um, in a 2016 2015 report, Came up as approximately thirty-eight percent of students. Thirty-eight uh, percent of students at Acadia are considered to be food insecure. So out of a survey of over a thousand respondents, so it is actually like a lot of times you don't realize how much of an impact that it has on the community. But when you look into again some of the statistics and you and you turn over some rocks and you ask some people, you realize how big of a problem it is and how much it needs to be, how much of a change needs to happen in the area. Um, so I just wanted to add that that that's like not just us being do-gooders and we, we want to do like something and we don't realize how big of a problem it is. We've done the work, we've worked with professors who have done this research and it's, it's sad and scary of how big of a problem it is on campus.
1: And how is food insecurity defined?
2: So there's a number of different definitions. Um, some would say uh, I don't have the food in the kitchen that I want. I'm food insecure. And then I'll, the more commonly accepted one is they don't know where their next meal is coming from. They don't have nutritious food maybe they're eating a lot of just rice and potatoes a lot of filling foods but nothing nutrient wise so that really is it's hard to pick up which definition people will use but normally the more commonly used one is really just not having access to healthy and and nutritious food not just not having what you want in the in the cupboard because i would say i'm food insecure at that definition because there's some foods i'd love to have but i just know that right now i can't afford them but i can still get what i need to be healthy
1: perfect right like no college student can afford avocados (laughs) Um, so moving on to uh, this is more of a personal question I'd like to hear your perspective on it but do you think that being an entrepreneur takes a certain mindset and emotional temperament and that maybe some risk-averse people that won't allow them to pursue an entrepreneurial path or do you think anybody can be an entrepreneur regardless of personality and mindset
2: Yeah, so I mean, there's like again, there's two mindsets on that normally, and there's entrepreneurs are born or they're taught. Um, I would most mostly say there's a bit of both, where some people naturally um, kind of gravitate towards it, but then I also think people when they learn about it and they're taught about it also can definitely become entrepreneurs. So I don't think, again, as my personal perspective, I've been entrepreneurial for a while, but I also study it. So I was born into it, but I'm also learning from it. So I, I would say that. There's two again the two mindsets. I really think that there's both. Like, there is one, um, but really the mindset just has to be like you have to be able to see an opportunity and then actually do something based on that opportunity. I mean, you could say you're an entrepreneur if you buy if you had bought Bitcoin years ago. You could you're doing nothing and you've made you know you could have made millions and millions of dollars. That is maybe it's still being an entrepreneur. You saw an opportunity and you seized on it. It's also a bubble that's about to burst at some point. And it's going to tank for a lot of people. But again, if, if that's your perspective on entrepreneurship, I would definitely say you're an entrepreneur if you think you are uh, by doing that. But again, it's anybody can be, no matter how old you are, no matter your background, where you are. Like It's it's pretty interesting. I mean, it's a really growing trend, especially for our generation, to kind of have that four-hour work week to do online work, work remotely. Like That's my biggest pursuit. I'd love to be able to, to work remotely around the world, doing entrepreneurial pursuits. Because again, a lot of times I just need a computer to do my work. Why not do that from a beach in Thailand or, or while like seeing it in the alps or something? So I think that's a really common trend for our generation is being an entrepreneur. If people think they want to be an entrepreneur. Maybe when they try it, they might realize this isn't for me, but I think it's still good to take the risk and take the chance on it. Perfect. So we have a couple minutes left here and this is another question that's very
1: based on, on you as a person. So what is something that you would like to know
2: how to do better. Honestly, I would outside of business, I'd much, I'd really like to be multilingual. I'd really like to be able to communicate uh, more effectively with other kind of cultures. Um, I see that as being a really important going forward for myself and um, kind of any of my pursuits. Like I really think that yes, I, I speak English and some French. My French I haven't used in quite a while. I'd like to get it back up to par. But I really think that entrepreneurial it is a huge benefit it's, it's a great benefit to be able to communicate uh, more effectively i know like i've done some travel in the last while and going into somewhere having to to point at what you're asking for and not know the word is definitely challenging and if i want to be at, like in business with somebody and i can't speak to them that's gonna make it really hard to work so i definitely think you know i can learn about more accounting practices and finance or Really my big one is team management. Again, I've never managed a team of 20, 25, 30 people before like an Anactus has. That's been a big challenge, but I can learn about that and I've been learning. But I think the one that I've been lacking in mostly is really that, that communication, but not just person to person, but actually be able to speak another language would be huge. And I
1: think a big part of being able to speak another language, it comes with understanding the different cultures around the world and yeah. how business and entrepreneur... The word entrepreneur is perceived so different differently around the world. So also um, being able to understand that through learning different languages, I think that's great. So, where can people go to connect with you personally?
2: Um, I'd say through Facebook or through email. So, uh, Facebook is Justin King. the be a, a picture of me, I don't know how to describe <laughs> it. Uh, but yeah, on Facebook, uh, I'm pretty easy to find. I'm tagged with Acadia University, is where I study. Um, Probably an Axicadia. sugar should An Axicadia is definitely on my account. So if you look up Justin King, it should come up with those two. It'd be the easiest way to find me. And then I have Instagram. Honestly, I don't use it a ton, but I'm, I go on it. And that would be like Justin King underscore junior, even though I'm not a junior. <laughs> um, but that's those are the two platforms I'd say, or just email. Um, my preferred email would be Justin King Efficiency at gmail.com. And that's back from when I did my industrial engineering. But Efficiency, E-F-F-I-C-I-E-N-C-Y. Sometimes people don't know how to get the word right. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Perfect. So, unfortunately, on that note, we're <laughs> just about out of time today, but this has been an absolutely terrific interview, and I I know for me personally, along with many of our listeners, I'm sure will greatly benefit from the knowledge that you have shared today, and I especially like the, that we talked about Enactus not only as an entrepreneurial club, but as a Vehicle for social change and how much they truly help people. Um, so, for our listeners, don't be afraid to go and and yeah. talk to Justin personally or apply to that through Facebook.
2: I'd also like to add to kind of in, the, in terms of the scale of projects that Anactus has at different universities or different countries. Memorial University uh, won worlds uh, two years ago and came second in the world last year. Uh, in the next five years, their project, uh, which is Uh, essentially a a small growing system for vegetables and produce. They'll have one in every elementary school across Canada, which will be directly impacting 1.6 million students. Um, So again, you kind of think you're doing good in the community and then you hear other teams and you're, wow, this is the actual impact we can have in a community is all across Canada. They've partnered with Tim Hortons as a national brand. So I think that's important too to understand. It's not just a little club on campus. It really is having national and global impacts too. And actually, I just thought of one more question before before
1: we close here. What is a bit of advice that you would give to young entrepreneurs who are kind of on the edge, on the tipping point of I don't know if I want to start this venture
2: or not? Two ways of looking at it. I mean, if it's a low startup cost and you and you're comfortable with that risk, take it. Worst case scenario, you'll be out a couple dollars and some time. If it's a really you know if it's quite an investment, I would maybe say take some time uh, and work and talk with people. I understand business plans are useful, and I would definitely say a business plan is necessary at a certain point, but don't start an idea with a business plan in my perspective. I would say you're better off talking to people. I think that one of the best ways of starting a business is actually talking to multiple people and explaining to them your idea, because no matter what your idea is, it will never be perfect right away. The more people you talk with, the more you'll refine your idea, the more it will change, and the more you'll get on track with what will actually have that impact that you really wanted. And I think that's important to realize. It's like most of the, I mean, 99.9% of the time, people don't want to steal your idea. People really just want to help. I've got friends that I've talked with before about ideas and they've talked to me about theirs. and I'm interested in them, but I have no interest in stealing that idea. Because I, again, I personally value my friendship over a business, but some people may not. But I would definitely just say like, just talk to people about ideas. You don't even have to invest money, that's just time. Maybe asking them to meet you for a coffee if it's a local business person entrepreneur you're interested in talking with just say you know send them a message on linkedin or an email and just say i'm interested in talking to you here i've got an idea can you give me some time and again most people are willing to do that then that goes back to the importance of networking like
1: you mentioned earlier so once again justin thank you so much and i'd like to thank all of our listeners for tuning in today without further ado this is the axe change radio podcast until next time <laughs>
0: The Axe Change podcast is produced by the Fred C. Manning School of Business Administration at Acadia University using studio facilities provided by Axe Radio. This is a volunteer production. If you'd like to support the Axe Change podcast, please see podcast under the News and Events tab on the business homepage at business.acadiou.ca. Thank you. Axe Change would like to thank Paul Callahan, Jonathan Campbell, Kendrick Carmichael, Dwayne Curry, Ian Feldmate, Mike Kennedy, Ryan McNeil, Michael Shepard, Connor Vibert, and Blake Ward. Music is Pickup Truck by Silent Partner, accessed copyright free at the YouTube audio library. Listen to the Axe Change podcast on the News and Events tab on the business homepage or at SoundCloud under Axe Change. Until next time, I'm Brianna Hike. Here's an Acadia spirit.